Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of combat sports, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Doing good, Ken. Uh, got a nice haircut. Thanks for flying your barber in for that. I've always, always... Yeah, you look great. Always appreciate that. Um, My pleasure. I, I tip him. Um, I, I give him a tip, but... um. We had a nice, last weekend, we went, I don't know, you used to be around New York, and um, Rob, of course, uh, some great museums. The Museum of Natural History, one of the great museums of all time. Oh, that's a good one for the kids. We went there with my grandchildren, and last week, well, uh, my son Teddy was in with his son, so we had them all together, and man, it was fun. It was great, and one of the things that struck me was, as soon as we walked in, one of the guards uh, there said right away, Teddy, love, love the podcast. And I, <laughs> I, I always, I wonder when, when somebody recognizes you in a museum of natural history, it, it just makes you wonder, A, the podcast is really getting big, or I'm getting really old. I mean, I'm I'm being recognized <laughs> with fossils. You know what I mean? It's just something about it. I don't know. There's just something about it. I looked at my kids. They said, yeah, am, am I a fossil? Am I like, am I getting close to being bones? But um, but it was really, it was it was a great day. Um, of course, my grandson, Joseph, he knows all the dinosaur names since he's like three. Oh, that's an Allosaurus. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, that they're carnivores, and and over there they're they're herbivores, and like he knows them all. It reminds me of that spot in the Godfather movie, Ken, where the Godfather is talking to his son, who's you know going to be taken over, Michael. And he asked him about his son. How's your family? How's your son doing? He goes, he's good. He's smarter than me. He's five years old, and he's, he's reading cartoons. And the father says, five years old. He's already reading the funny papers. Ha, ha, ha. You know, and I'm thinking, well, my, he, read, he read the funny papers, but my grandson is five years old, and he knows all the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> he, knows, he knows all the dinosaurs, and he knew when he was three. He knew him when he was three years old, but um, they all enjoyed it. Uh, I remember we went there a few years ago, and he got he got a little nervous because we went into the Tyrannosaurus. You know, that's that's the main guy. We went into the Tyrannosaurus uh, exhibition, and they had this they had this audio thing, and it, it you know this uh, visual, and it looked pretty real. He ran out. <laughs> he ran, he ran out tonight. We'll, we'll come visit the Tyrannosaurus. We'll go see the herbivores. And, and we'll, vi That's we'll funny. visit the Tyrannosaurus next visit. And this one. I took, uh, I took my kids when they were like three and five to, a, um, or maybe five and seven, to a monster truck show. They were dying. Monster trucks, monster trucks. I said, okay, we're going to monster trucks in L.A. Soon as the truck started up inside the Staples Center, my middle guy, who was probably the five or six at the time, was like, ah, Dad, I want to get out of here. I go, buddy, it just it just started. It was like in the afternoon on a Saturday. He's like, I got to go. And he was like starting to get emotional. And I'm like, you sure? And the older one was like, Dad, I don't want to leave. I'm like, 
buddy, if one if if he gotta go, he's gotta go. We all gotta leave. So there you go. Buy five hundred dollars for four wow. tickets. You know, for yeah, good tickets. See yeah, ya. I, I've I've <laughs> uh, I've been down that road. I've been down that road. I I get it. I get it. Um, last thing I want to mention before we get to the fights is over the weekend, just to so, show how well-rounded we are with all sports, I was watching the TCU-Kansas um, State game. Great game, great game. Great now, game. TCU was ranked number three, I believe, and so they're right in the hunt. Yep. Well, they're going to make it now, but they were right in the, they're yeah, in. They're in. But they were in the hunt for the four spots, you know, for the college football playoffs, for the national title, of course, and... They're playing Kansas State, and if they lost, you don't know. They might not be in, but they're in. But and they and, and, and they did lose, and, yeah. And they blew their undefeated season. And I guess what was it, a Pac-12, Pac-10 championship game, um, which whichever yeah. one it is. But the thing that I couldn't understand, I'm watching. I'm not, you know, in any way pretending to be Vince Lombardi over here. But I, I know sports. I know common sense. And coming down. In a they, great comeback by TCU, great game. But in the fourth quarter, four minutes, five minutes, whatever it was, left in the game, they're coming down the field, and their quarterback single-handedly puts them on his back and, and takes them. I mean, he runs, Ken, yep. he ran rough shot all over Kansas State, the quarterback. Uh, he runs for 10, yeah. 20, 30. And then, then he gets down to the goal line, runs it in, touchdown. Then they need a two-point conversion because they were down by eight. And he gets, he, what does he do? What do you think he does? He runs in the two-point conversion. Fast forward to overtime. They're in overtime now. They get down to the goal line, right? They got two shots at the, like, one-yard line, whatever it is, two-yard line. They don't let him run it in. Are you? And, <laughs> and they hand it off twice, and they get stopped. They get stopped twice. And they don't, I can't get it. I don't get it how the coach could do that. And then they lose. They lose on the next possession to Kansas State in, in, in yeah. overtime. And one other thing I want to say, because I, I, put my, I put my finger on both sides. You know, I point blame on both sides. I didn't understand, really, TCU. Obviously, they're well coached. They had a great year. But I just didn't understand the coaching there and the decision making there. But I didn't understand go back to the fourth quarter with four minutes left and the quarterback of TCU, as I said, is running all over them and they and the other team, Kansas State defensive coordinator, he doesn't put a spy on the guy. You know, he doesn't assign someone to say, hey, he ain't running on us no more. Your, your job is just to stay with him and he doesn't get another yard on it. And, and he they kept running the same play, and they kept getting the same <laughs> results. It was like insanity. I was well. Two 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 things that makes me think of is I think sometimes the coaches overthink it, and I give you a perfect example when Seattle is basically about to win the Super Bowl, oh, yeah. and instead of just running it in with Marshawn Lynch, they try to throw a quick slant, yeah. and it gets picked off in the end zone. The dumbest move of all time, coaching, insane. I mean. And then when you talk about the TCU quarterback running all over everyone, I think of that kid Caleb Williams from USC. They lost as well um, this weekend and cost themselves a, chip, a trip to 
the uh, to the final four, the, the playoffs. But my God, that kid was unbelievable. He couldn't be stopped, and he popped his hamstring allegedly, supposedly in the game. He definitely got hurt. But my God, he did everything he could to win that game for USC. He looked unbelievable in the down the stretch in the whole season, but especially in the game. Uh, who did they play in that in that um, Utah? That what that is was- it? Pe- yeah, Utah. Man, tough my loss. Son USC loses and gets bounced from the top my four. My son goes out. Yeah. My son goes out there a lot, you know, he scouts out there. So he knows yep. the Utah program well. Always tells me a lot of lot of talent, a lot of talent and um, you know, uh, good people out there. Um matter of fact, you it's also funny. don't get kids they're going to the Rose Bowl. You don't get a lot of off well, yeah. well it's, you don't get a lot of off field programs at Utah with the big Mormon community out there. Not a lot of drinking, not a lot of trouble. No, it's BYU and, and Utah. Yeah, that helps. I mean, you're right. That you got a built in uh defense against a lot of that stuff like a built-in babysitter uh no drinking or uh, always the opposite of what you'd problems. get at like uh miami the opposite of uh atmosphere like miami exactly right utah dry state as they say but you know it's funny i'm going out yep. to utah in march because they asked me to go Beautiful out there state. yeah they asked me to go out there to speak they run a uh, big clinic out there i guess like a coaching clinic for the day and they always bring in a keynote speaker and they reached out through the football yeah, program and they reached out to my son and asked me if i would be the keynote speaker so i i'm i think i'm gonna say yes because if my son asked me to do something i do it and um must be a big must be a big program if they can afford your 100 grand speaking fee and well congratulations yeah, i cut it down a little bit i cut it down um, <laughs> uh, quite, quite a Quite a bit. Um, uh, no, I, sometimes you just do things because you uh, you think it's the right thing to do, and you know, and you also have a son who's in football, and you feel that it's a good thing to do, obviously uh, for his relationships too. You know, so you you do that. But I am blessed. I am blessed. I have been paid for these uh, these speaking engagements, so I have been blessed that people want me to speak to their kids. The one thing you should ask for when you go to like UConn or Utah is a game jersey with your name on the back. I think that that's a cool thing to hang up in your gym. Yeah, that's cool. You're right. You know, it's funny. Years ago, I went to uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers flew me in uh, to Lincoln, Nebraska to speak to the team. And uh, I got a a nice red uh, Cornhusker jacket. Really nice. Really, you know, warm oh, and everything. Cool. Nice. Really nice jacket. Um, if, if they would have paid me better, I could have bought my own jacket. But it's, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But yeah, it is funny. I went to Syracuse years ago. Syracuse basketball, uh, football team, I'm sorry. The, the Syracuse football team had asked me to speak to them. Uh, and I did. And it was funny. I, I made fun of myself. Uh, afterwards because the coach, I'm trying to remember what his name, but the coach of Syracuse, that at the end of the year, they finished up good. They went to a bowl. And at the end of the year, he winds up getting hired in the NFL, I think, uh, I think at Buffalo. He went, he went to the Buffalo Bills. I think his name was Coach Morrow or somewhere along those lines, whatever it was. Anyway, he gets hired after I speak. They do good. I'm not saying that's why they did good. But he goes, gets hired in the NFL, great, you know, gig. And um, all I got out of it was a nice sweatsuit. 
but but it was uh, <laughs> it made me think about when when I think I've seen yeah, it. It's a nice. It's it's very nice. Very nice. Um, it makes you think about when your parents used to go on these trips, right? And you and they go to Atlantic <laughs> City and they come back with a T-shirt. My parents went to Atlantic City. All I got was this cheap T-shirt, you know. <laughs> so, um, but it wasn't a cheap sweatsuit. So it was well, really nice, really, really nice sweatsuit. And um, talking about sweat, let's get to work here with these fights that we um, want to. Make sure we bring to our fans. Yep, before we do Oh, by the way, that coach, that coach that you talked about with Mashawn Lynch, that was Pete Carroll. Yeah, he, Pete he, Carroll. He was yep. a legend at USC, you know, with, with the college. Oh, yeah. Legend with the ladies. Legend forget. with the ladies, too. There's, yeah, I, get, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know nothing about that. <laughs> that's the word on yeah, the street. I don't know. No, all right. I, I, that's the first I'm hearing about. But I will say this. There's always a lesson in there. There's a lesson for the people out there, whatever it is that you're attempting to do and you fail. You know that old saying, if uh, you don't succeed at first, try, try again. Well, Pete Cow is a good example. He, he, uh, he goes to the Jets, very young. They probably don't give him the fair amount of time, but they fire him uh, after like two years, one or two years. And, you know, again, it's not always fair in those things, but it is what it is. And he gets fired. What does he do? He doesn't cry. He doesn't give up. He doesn't get, you know, d discouraged. I'm sure he felt all those things. But all that matters is what you do. Not what you feel, people. Not what you feel. It's what you do. He went back to college, you know, reinvented himself, if you will. Went back, you know, didn't let his ego, you know, Talk to him in the wrong way. Well, gee, and now you got to go backwards to college? No, he went forwards because he went and he got better. And he went to college. He became, he created the dynasty at USC. And then off of that, what happens? He gets welcomed back years later to the NFL and he wins the Super Bowl with the Seattle Seahawks. So that's a, that's just a, a, a good, I think a good lesson, again, for people to hear something like that. Yeah, and uh, along those lines, not just um, when, if you fail, try and try again, but if you don't fail, are you even trying? Like, if, if you're trying to do great things, you should expect failure because if failure wasn't an option, it probably wouldn't be that challenging. True. So anyway, True. Um, to that point, jump into To that things, point, Counselor, I would say that, and it's a great point, a lot of people don't give themselves a chance to succeed by failing. That's that's the point yep, you're making. A lot right. of people probably get confused by it. But go out there. Don't be afraid to try out for the team. So what? You don't cut it. You don't get it. Next time you will. But uh, but you'll learn something from it. It'll do something to you. It will improve you. It will it will motivate you in other avenues that you wouldn't have had a chance to be motivated in and. And to learn something if you hadn't given yourself that chance. But the point is, a lot of times, even asking for a raise from your boss or whatever, whatever it is, or, or trying for a different position or, or different uh, going into you know a different trade or a different occupation that you're afraid to try it. No, no, no. Try it. You might fail. But, but you won't have a chance to succeed if you don't freaking try it and find out what you're going to find out. 
I switched careers at 45 years old. It was the greatest thing that I've ever done in mm -hmm. my life. I thank God every day that I did it. And yes, it's intimidating and it's very scary, especially when you have four kids. But once you once you bet on yourself, you'll never know reward like you like the reward you feel when you succeed when you're doing everything on your own. You know, obviously you have allies along the way. And there's a great uh, poem by Teddy Roosevelt called either man in the arena or critic. But it summarizes everything that basically you'd rather be the man in the arena, bloody and covered in dirt than the guy sitting up in the stands who's scared shitless to even get in the arena, just pointing the finger and talking crap about how the strong man stumbles be the man you're not talking about some of people out there they're in their underwears in their grandma's <laughs> basement are you are you <laughs> if they're if they're talking negatively about us yes if they're talking positively they're probably they've probably been bloodied and dirtied many times before we get into it we'd be remiss if we didn't send out well wishes and warmest regards and prayers to the legend diamond dustin poirier hospitalized with a staph infection in his foot uh, I saw him post on Instagram this weekend that he had a big swollen foot. He had a little cut. It got staph infection rolling around in the um, jiu-jitsu gym, which is a common thing to happen, which is why they always talk about, you know, cleaning up afterwards and keeping they're very, those. They're Same thing very with wrestling. sick with that in the NFL. Crazy, crazy. 100%. Because, listen, staph infection is not God, a joke. Serious. It gets in, into the cut and it spreads. I didn't anyway, even know. We would, God, I, I, God bless. I'll say a, yeah, just I'll say happened a prayer yesterday. right now that... Um, that he gets rid of that infection. Hey, if anybody could kick yeah. out an infection from his body, that would be Dustin Poirier. Like, uh, yeah. he, I, all I, he would I, have I to do is look at it and yell, get out! Get, and, <laughs> and, and it's gone. I, I saw the, um, he posted on Instagram that his foot was swollen. I sent him a text, say, yo, what's going on? And he said, oh man, it's, it's actually really hurts. It's, it hurts and I'm starting to feel sick. And he said, I'm thinking of going to the hospital. And I said to him, dude, you have a kid and you're a professional athlete. If you think you need to go to the hospital, you're like two hours late. Next picture he sent me was, he's like, yeah, you're right. I'm in the hospital. Uh, they're keeping hey, me overnight. And he said Maybe today, he's IV. like, probably stay another they day. They probably put him yeah, on Yeah, he's IV. on IV. Yeah. Well, Immediately. Yeah. yeah, of course. That's the picture he sent. So he posted it on Instagram. So I'm not sharing anything that's not uh, out there in the public. But... Best wishes to the Diamond Dust Emporia, the fourth member of our, uh, the fifth member of our uh, production team here. Um, no, no, uh, and Teddy, get better, we... get better, Dustin. And you know the 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 great part of the the part that he has that's great is he has a great wife and um, family that will obviously uh, help him heal, help him, uh, yeah, help him while he's getting better. So get better, get better, kid. Yep. And, and Terry, let's jump into the action. But before we do, let's get it popping with Ollie Pop. They're a new unofficial Yo, slogan. Get you, it popping with Ollie Pop. Yo, poet, you don't even know it. That's an easy one, though. Let's get uh, it popping with Ollie Pop. They, they, I want to see yep. them throw something more difficult at you where you have to be a little, a little bit more creative. A <laughs> little more creative. They should be probably trademarking that, uh, that, that expression right now. But anyway... Olipop, the healthiest soda on the market. It's something that I feel really good about sharing with my children. I drink one of these after every workout, and obviously I drink them during the podcast. This one is ginger lemon, one of my favorites. Only two or three grams of sugar, depending on the flavor you choose, compared with 39 grams of sugar in a regular full-fat Coke or Pepsi. This has got dietary fiber. It's got probiotics, prebiotics. It's got a lot of different... Um, 
quality ingredients, and I love this stuff. Excellent alternative to unhealthy soda. Like I said, I share it with my children. We treat it as a reward. They all started doing jujitsu, by the way, Teddy. I got four mm. little killers, trained killers. I've got the most dangerous house to break into in the, in the country. You don't need a watchdog. Just yeah, I don't beware. need Beware. Kids. Beware. No beware. Watchdog. Beware. <laughs> kids. Uh, vicious. So after they. Ready, kids ready they, to they tear They've literally been going. They signed up last week, Teddy. They went every single day. They, my my oh, youngest okay. son's like, Dad, when can we do a competition? I'm like, as soon as you think you're ready, we'll sign up for a competition. And he's like, how long will it take me to get a black belt? I said about 10 years. He's like, I think I can do it quicker. He's only five. He's only seven. He will so, do it quicker. But so. anyway, check. Please check out Olipop. Go to drinkolipop.com. Use the promo code ATLAS. They'll give you 25% off. Please try this stuff off the, over the holidays, especially if you don't drink alcohol. This is an awesome alternative. Nice, healthy soda. Great flavors. They've got them all. Orange, grape, ginger, lemon, classic cola, and uh, vintage root beer, which is a good one. But anyway, drinkolipop.com, promo code ATLAS. Let's get into the action, Teddy. Big heavyweight fight. Um, all the heavyweight title fights are big, but this one didn't exactly, um, wasn't, the most, wasn't the most anticipated heavyweight title fight in the history of the world. Uh, Tyson Fury throws his man Derek Chisora a bone, gives him a third fight. They do it at, uh, was it at Tottenham Hotspur Arena? One of the football stadiums. A lot of people, 60,000 people, that's all I know. 60,000 people, Teddy. And, and a I, little, the first a little thing whiskey. We, We're doing it outdoors with this weather getting cold. That's what I was going to say. It's December in England. They, they both came in practically in like winter coats. Derek Chisoy had a gigantic fur king's uh, cape on him, and they had blankets on them in between rounds. I just think December in, in outdoors is, like you said, risky, super cold. You got to come in super warmed up. You got to stay warm he in between been better rounds, off, especially for those. He would have been better off coming in cold and getting knocked out cold in the first round than taking the punishment he yeah. wound up taking. Oh, Chisora. And I'm not, I'm oh, not uh, you know, I'm, I'm not being... Uh, you know, trying to be... No, you're just pointing uh, out yeah, the I'm obvious. Not trying to be funny here. Um, being really serious that, you know, usually you want the guy warm because if, if the guy don't have a sweat, if he's not warmed up, he could get caught early, he could get hurt early, but sometimes increases the chances of, of obviously what I'm talking about, a knockout. But in this case, he would have been better off coming in cold, getting caught a good shot and get out of there because, listen, I had said, you didn't have to watch the fight. All you had to do was watch our show last week, and it was there. It was there. It was a retirement. It was the pension plan fight that boxing doesn't have a pension plan, and sometimes it creates its own. This time it created its own. Fury gave him a pension plan. He gave Chisora for 15 years of meritous you know, service to the sport of being a warrior, giving us great fights. He gave him a gold watch at the door. And that gold watch was a big payday. Uh, but the price that went with that gold watch that went with that pension plan, he might have been better off without it. Because there, were, there is a price to pay for taking that kind of punishment any time in your life, but especially at 38 years of age, you know, with that many miles on his odometer. And he would have been better served again if he got caught early and it was over because he just kept taking punishment all night long. And um, you got to worry about him in the future. You do. And, and I love Chisore. And I love that he got the payday. 
but I didn't. I was actually wondering if we could get him on in time to have him on here and talk to him because he's a character and he seems like a lovely guy. But my God, did he take a beat? He didn't. He didn't I mean, he, even he, I, it bothered me. It bothered my. Of course, I, it would bother anyone with a conscience. It was like, dude, that it was so obvious. Fury couldn't find an opponent, and everyone kept for whatever reason the fights weren't getting made. And he literally called up Derek. He's like, Derek, you want to do it a third time? But Teddy, before you jump into that, can I just tell you? Over the last five fights, listen to the people that Chisora has been in there with. So number one, yeah, the quality of guys. opponents. Number two, you can imagine the paydays that he's gotten this late in his career. He's in with Usyk loses. Joseph Parker loses. Joseph Parker again loses. Kubrat Pulev, he wins. Well, no, he lost. He lost the first one with Pulev. You're right. He won the last one with Pulev. Yeah, he, that was the only win the in the last split decision, yeah. though. It wasn't. Yeah. A, it no, wasn't. Uh, he was in a, a tight. All those fights, by the way. way all those fights in went London. the distance. He lost unanimous decision to Usyk, a, a split decision to Parker, unanimous decision to Parker. He won a split decision over Pulev, and then he got knocked out in the 10th of 12 rounds against Fury, meaning this guy's in like 12, 10, 12 round slugfest that could go either way, taking beatings from like taking shots from a heavyweight. That's some serious damage to be punching someone's head that many rounds over the course of, let me see, the first one, when I started that thing, the Usyk fight was in literally exactly two years ago. So in two years, he has five fights all go the distance with the exception of the one that he just got stopped in the 10th, which you could argue is the worse than going, the, than going 10 rounds for a decision because he got pummeled. But my God, and then when they showed the um, video of Tyson Fury going to see him, I know that they're genuinely friends. Tyson Fury goes in to see him. Chisora didn't look right to me. The way he it was talking, right. he was slow, no, no, labored. You gotta it worry. wasn't right. You got to really worry because these are the fights that do the, the real damage. You know, not usually the knockout, boom. It's the ones that drag on where there's a cumulative... Yep amount of blows taken throughout the course of the night and obviously and it's the kind of damage you can't see on the surface right and, what's and, happening and, and inside and his both head of us what i started this about damage to a 38 year old who's already had damage yep. who's already gone in the ring and come out of the ring with less of himself i always talk about that but to your point when you talk about measuring chronological chronological age for a fighter you've said it many times that you measure that by miles on the odometer not how old he is in i'll be years, more specific by punches this guy's like 55 you're, you're years right. old by boxing you're age. You measure it, Ken, by the amount of punishment, the amount of punches taken during the course of a career. That's how you judge the fighter's age. That's how, not chronologically. And in that way, instead of 38, you know, Chisora could be easily 68. Easily. Yeah, 100%. You're right. It's the truth. And I mean, no, not only all those fights, Teddy, but as you know, I'm not telling you anything, but maybe you can speak on the amount of sparring that he has to do to take five fights in two years. He's probably sparring two, at least two days a week for 10 weeks leading up to these fights. That's a lot of sparring with heavyweights. And I've seen sparring footage of him where he's exchanging bombs. Like no, he doesn't strike me as the type of guy that's in there working behind a jab. You know what I mean? No, I mean, you're never going to mistake this guy for you know being a young alley i mean uh, uh, you know <laughs> this guy knows one way and that's why everyone loves him he comes forward that's you right. hit him he hits you back um and he's you know yep. he's gonna keep coming but uh, fighters can suddenly get old in the ring and you know you have you you just look one night and you say wow 
You know, I just saw him not too long ago. He didn't look like that. And that's what I thought. He looked old. It's like he got really old suddenly. And it's like the body, the rock can only take too much. You hit a rock, you hit a rock, you hit a rock, you hit a rock. And then one day it doesn't do nothing, doesn't move anywhere. And then one day you come by and you lean on a rock, Ken, because you want to rest. You know, you just did your 10 miles of running for that day, right? And you lean against the rock and oop, you fall almost because a piece of the rock just trips off. And that's the cumulative damage done to a rock. Well, you think it's any different with a person, with a human body, with a human skull? You bang, you bang, you bang for years, for years, you year. And then one day you get in there and the legs are wobbly. The guy don't look right. The guy, the guy's getting tap punches and he's wobbling. That's that day came Saturday night uh, in in London, and um, you just have to worry about the future for him. And that, you know, this is this is an unforgiving business, unforgiving sport, and um, so you have to worry about that. I'm glad he got paid, but I'm not glad he took that kind of punishment. I'm repeating myself now, so I'll move on. And you know what? The one thing, though, I, w- I want to add, though, is the unfortunate or fortunate thing. I mean, I- I'm sure for Derek, he probably thinks the fortunate. But the unfortunate thing is these young up and coming like killers that are on the rise. They're going to view Derek Chisora as a great name to have on your resume. You know, he's going to bring action. He's going to be there to get hit. Well, he's, that's where he, you have to have a parent in the exchange. room. Ken, to your point. And now you he's going to gonna get these the big offers. You have to have two, a, three million bucks. You have to have a parent. And he's, it's going to be hard for him to say no to that easy money. But at what, like you said, at what cost? At what point does that one shot too many? And God forbid something goes really seriously wrong with the guy. He's made a lot of money. I hope I'm sure he's got smart people around him. Hopefully he's invested his money enough that he can like ride off into the sunset and not take that one fight too many that we've seen too many times. That's where you need a parent in the room. That's where you need somebody in his entourage, someone in his camp, someone who's made money with him over the years that has a responsibility to look out for him now and and say, okay, that's enough. Let's go. Let's pack it in, champ. Uh, great career, great run. You know, you've given the fans everything. You've, you've given us everything. Uh, now we got to give you back. We have to look out for you. Let's, let's move on to the next chapter in our lives. Come on. Let's go, buddy. You and, hope he does that. And, really and, and I tell you, if it doesn't come from somebody in the camp or in his family, it it needs to come then from commissioners, the people that are paid. It ain't gonna no, happen. No, no, but it, but that ain't gonna happen. They're paid. To, I know exactly what you mean, but we've just seen it happen time and time again. Money, money makes all the decisions. They're paid. They're it, paid. These guys are paid. These commissions are paid, supposedly to look out for the fighter, to look out for the sport, to look out for... We know they do neither most of the time, unfortunately. But surprise me one time. Surprise me. <laughs> because you're, you're taking taxpayer money in many cases, these commissions, to, to, get, to, to keep your position, to have your position, to get paid. But Teddy, you know what's going to happen. If Nevada says no, some Indian reservation is going to say yes. California might say no, and New York, and Oklahoma says yes. We all know the states that do it. How many fights happen in Oklahoma where you're like, how the hell did this fight well, get for made? Him oh, it was on for Indian him, there's no real market for him over here. The market is over there. And, yeah, and, 100%. But you would just, listen, you would just hope against hope sometimes, but you still hope that, 
just a humanist can come out and, and somebody can make the right decision and say, hey, you got to protect some people from themselves. I know it's hard from a civil liberty standpoint. You know, I'm not a lawyer, but I, I know it's hard to tell someone they can't make a living anymore. But there has to be something in place, something in place in a sport like this, a dangerous sport like this. Look, they take your driver's license away when you can't drop, see properly, right? They, they do. They, yeah. they say, no, you're a danger to yourself, you're a danger to other people. There has to be something in place in this sport and sports like it where when you can no longer when you can no longer be able to make the right decisions for your own welfare where you're you're getting to the age and to the place we just described where there's a greater risk than before of getting hurt somebody if you can't make the decision somebody's got to step in and say wait a minute we 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 can't let you go on here. And that's got to be connected with tests. Would I believe they should take CAT scans, uh, especially when you get older. Take CAT scans, take MRIs on a more regular basis and compare them. Compare them. Don't say, yeah, this is okay. That's a good compare point. Compare them. Compare <laughs> them to six months earlier, to a year earlier. Say, oh, wait a minute. We see some deterioration here. Hold on a minute. Hold on. You got to use something. As a, they did that with Rafael Lovato Jr. in the in the Bellator guy that Rob and I are friends with. Uh, he was the reigning welterweight or middleweight champion, and he went for a brain scan. They no, off they noticed an anomaly, and basically told him you can't fight. And then I think he might have got the green light, but his doctor said like, "Are you insane? You have like these lesions on your brain that could be from getting hit in the head, and we don't think you should do it." And he never fought again. He was the reigning Bellator middleweight champion. Super nice uh, guy. God, listen, like, he, and he, the one you just talked about. There's many that don't get that. They don't get that 100%. screen. They don't take that test. They don't. It's not mandated that they take that test. And and you never find That's out. Right. They go forward, and God forbid something something terrible happens. But anyway. I'd say this. I'd say this one thing though. If 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 Derek Chisora hears this, I hope he understands that this isn't like Teddy Alice and Ken Rideout hoping oh, that Derek doesn't get another payday. I I wish oh. he could get a hundred no, million, him. but the point is like we we like him, care about him. And I do he's taking him. big damage because I do That's appreciate right. what That's he's what doing. That's what I want. Yeah, no. That's right. And and I people just looking out for his well being. Let me break down the fight a little bit for what it was. It, was, sure. it wasn't competitive, obviously, and um, it was never going to be competitive. Uh, there was no way. But to make it even worse than everything that we just laid out was the style of Fury. Uh, you couldn't have got a worse style, especially at this point of his career. At any point for Shazor, he's a short guy. He's a guy that takes to get to you. He uh, takes punches to get to you and has to get close to you to land his punches. And, and he's a guy that only is one-dimensional and only knows one direction, come straight forward. Very obviously predictable. With all those things being said, the style of Fury, you couldn't have picked the worst style because he's six foot eight, he's huge, you know, and he knows how to control the outside and do what I always talk about. And that was all he had to do. That was the game plan. You know, you didn't have to be Teddy Atlas or the late, great Eddie Fudge or, you know, Ray Arcel or, you know, uh, Angelo Dundee to know what the game plan uh, had to be or Emmanuel Stewart, for that matter, if I'm speaking about great ones, former great ones. All you had to know was, hey, you control the outside 
and you hit him before he can get close enough to hit you. It's that simple. It's that simple. Uh, or as I used to always say, where you control the outside and you make him go through a bad neighborhood and you mug him before he gets through that neighborhood. And that's exactly what he did. He controlled the outside, he being uh, Fury, controlled the outside, used his jab, and then he moved back a few inches to, to keep that space, to keep that separation. So again, there was more territory that he had to continually walk through and take punishment to try to get to Fury, which he was never going to get to, not at this point in his career. So um, that's what happened. He controlled the outside smartly, Fury. And again, you didn't have to watch the fight. You could have listened to this podcast last week that it was a retirement fight. There was only going to be one end result. And the uppercut was going to be a big part of that result. And sure enough, just like he did with Dean White when he knocked out Dean White. Can you believe it? He knocked out Dean White and, and then a fight later destroyed him. And then a fight later, he's going to make millions of dollars fighting Joshua. But God bless the English fans. God bless them. They love their heavyweights. They, they don't care if you lose. They don't care. They, they back you. They make you millionaires. I mean, and listen, let me add one other note. Yeah, a nice gift. That might have turned out to be not so nice by Fury. You know, with the, when you think about uh, down the road with the punishment that he took that night, what it might entail, what it might lead to. But he did mean well. He meant well to give him a payday, a guy that he admired. But he also meant to make millions of dollars on an easy payday, too. That's, that's be. 100%. I mean, and it's, I'm not knocking him. I mean, I don't... No, but that's exactly well, uh, what yeah. happened. I, I mean, he, he, he gave a payday, and he got a huge payday. And to coin the phrase of the great Mayweather, easy money, baby. Easy money. And nobody <laughs> knows better than Mayweather, because at 45, he's still doing it. And he'll do it at, he'll do it at <laughs> 65. Crazy. Although what he's doing now isn't really boxing. You know, it's, it's picking these guys for the most part over in Japan, you know, picking a guy and then playing around with him a little bit and, and getting whatever millions of dollars that, that they're giving him. And, and listen, I'll finish this part of it with this. I'm not begrudging this to Mayweather or to Fury. I, they earned it. Anytime you get in that ring and you risk yourself and you risk that you're not going to come out of that ring or you're going to come out of that ring with less of yourself, guess what? For a career of that, Mayweather, God bless you. Keep doing it. You deserve it. I just don't want no one to get hurt. And with him, no one to get hurt because it's, it's I'm not saying it's choreographed, but it's more controlled. But in a case like Shizora, somebody will get hurt and does get hurt well the fury thing is different he's already fight just fought Chisora twice like give some young guy a chance if you're just taking an easy fight fight daniel dubois fight one of these other guys dubois was in action earlier and we'll talk about it in a minute but i just i mean i'm glad Derek got a payday for for everything he's given the sport but man like a third fight it, it's it was such a uh foregone conclusion 100 no, percent. and look i'll finish with the breakdown anyway because the fans come here to get the breakdown. I think you know it already. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty obviously couldn't be clearer. But great job by Fury. You know, not a hard job. I get it. But controlling the outside, you knew that you were going to run him into an uppercut. He's a short man. He's going to walk into an uppercut. He's going to lean into an uppercut. He did. He also hit him with straight right hands. And you know what else he did? He doesn't do it a lot. Fury... When he would make Shizora miss, which he was going to miss a lot because, you know, he's reaching to get in. He can't navigate that distance as well as he used to when he had younger legs. 
And when he reached with the right hand and left a little opening, Fury filled it with a counter left hook, which he doesn't always show you. And and he he finished, you know, he filled that hole, that space with a nice counter left hook that also, you know, helped set up the other punches. Um, he he knew exactly what he had to do. He executed perfectly. I'm gonna here's where it gets different from the fan knowing the obvious, where maybe this isn't quite as obvious, although I thought it pretty much was to a certain extent. I think he might have carried him. Now, he might not have done him a favor by carrying him, as we already went over. Exactly. Because of the punishment he wound up taking in the in you know, onslaught of the fight. But I think he might have carried him a little bit. And here's, if I'm a lawyer in a courtroom, like my daughter, here's Exhibit A. Exhibit A, he wasn't sitting down on his punches. He was like, he was just slapping right. him out there like like practicing combinations. That That's Exhibit A. And Exhibit B would be a little more tricky where nobody pointed out. He smothered himself a lot of times. Now look, I know you could say, well, Teddy Fury was being responsible. He was smart. He was tying him up on the inside. No, there were times he had him hurt. And he kind of fell in, smothered himself, where he couldn't keep the offense yep. going. Now, that gave a reprieve, obviously. That gave a rest, you know, to the onslaught uh, that 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 uh, Chisor was taking. And that allowed him to exist. That allowed him to survive. That allowed him to take more punishment. That allowed him to go more rounds. But why did he smother himself? I'll tell you one thing. If I want to stop the fight, if I want him to end it, which, you know, his good trainer said, Emmanuel Stewart's uh, nephew said, he wanted him to stop it, then keep the range. Don't fall in. Keep him at the end of your punches. And when you get that offensive flow going, like you hit him with the uppercut, you hit him with the left hook, you hit him with the straight right, keep that offensive flow. Keep the faucet on. Don't turn the faucet off by smothering yourself. That's what he did. He turned the faucet, the flow of the water, the flow of the punches. He turned it off by smothering himself. So I have to think, did he do that purposely or did he do it that it... It, you know, it just happened, he whatever. But that's why the rounds were extended, I believe, because he took something off. I agree. He didn't sit down on the punches. He smothered himself instead of keeping that range, that distance where he could have kept the punches flowing. And also, he, I didn't see the scorecards, but I'd be shocked if there wasn't a few 10-8 rounds because, and there could have easily been knockdowns. Matter of fact, they could even score them as knockdowns because there was many times there, Ken, where he hurt him with the uppercut, hurt him with the right hand, and Chisora just was in a drunken state. He was he was he was in a drunken state. And he he just stayed there like like frozen, and Fury would fall into him and they would fall on the ground. But those could have easily been judged knockdowns. And to me, they were knockdowns because he hurt him with the punch. Then he fell into him with his body and he fell down. But what a little wind. If they would have had a little breeze in that open air stadium there, that would have knocked him down. So they could have easily been three, four knockdowns in that fight. And again, for all intents and purposes, Let's say he got knocked down three, four times. The referee probably would have stopped it earlier and it would have saved him a lot of damage. Here's my point. 
by not having the knockdowns, the referee don't think that way. He don't see the collateral damage. It doesn't strike him right away. You know what I mean? It's not in his face. So he and he's not scared where some where he might think these refs are human. Where he might think, oh my god, he's been down three times, four times. I better stop it before somebody criticizes me. But being that he wasn't down. He didn't have that hanging over his head, that pressure to stop the fight. So he would have been better off if if he actually went down to the ground so the referee would have had been moved more, more had an excuse to stop the fight. Um, so I think that all needs to be ta- brought out, and that's what you're going to get here on this broadcast, um, is you're going to get a peek at all that stuff. Uh, I think that played. Also, also, I think that um, I think that the there could have been more compassion from the corner. Where I'm not knocking him, I'm just saying that you you've been down a road with this guy. You're responsible for him. You know what I mean? He got to a point where he couldn't win anymore. There was nothing on his punches. He couldn't get inside. He has to be inside to win. He 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 couldn't win anymore. Like at that point. I just thought that I wanted to see a little compassion for a guy you made money with, a guy you've been down a road, a guy you, you've done a lot of things with. Look out for him. Just look out for him. He can't look out for himself now. Uh, look out for him. You could see that uh, Chisora almost seemed relieved. He made a comment <clears throat> after the fight about that, you know, like that, almost like he was glad that the ref decided to stop in and, and step in and stop the fight. I'm sure like, he Chisora was. was like, not only did he not protest, he was probably like, Thank but God that's for a good the ref, point. That know, brings like, me to a good point because sometimes what happens, people don't like to hear this, but you're going to hear it because it's the truth. Sometimes a fighter, a warrior, a war horse like this kid, this man, sometimes they, get, they don't get looked out for. They get beaten. They don't have it no more. And they're taking such a beating that they wind up having to almost do it themselves and quit. And it's not in them to do it. And you should never let it become in them you should never let them get to a point where after living that kind of career that kind of life you know behaving that way living up to that kind of code of conduct of behavior you should never let them get forced into a position where maybe and i've seen it i've seen it where maybe a great warrior has to quit because the corner's not doing the right thing or the referee again the ref could have stopped it too the referee's not doing the right thing i i i mean it it's almost the case where the doctor could have stepped up there and said, hey, you know what? This is enough, guys. You know? Or a real commission. I've seen Larry has to do it down in Jersey. Where, where a real commission, maybe, you got to be careful with that stuff. I get it. Because then you got to worry about who's allowed to step in there and maybe it's, it could get dicey. I get it. But at this point, somebody needed to be the parent in the room, to be the compassionate one, and just say, hey, you know what? That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. So, um, and again, thank goodness he didn't get to a position where Trezora himself had to just say, I can't take it no more. Because he didn't deserve that. Uh, he didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve to go out that way. But anyway, that's the breakdown. Um, bad style. Bad style. Forget about all the other things we just touched on, but just a bad style anyway. Uh, obviously, it's the third fight. Um, he, he never obviously got close to beating Fury, even when he was younger. First, he lost the decision. Then his last time against Fury, he got stopped. The, actually, the corner stopped that one, I believe. And But this one, they didn't stop. So, uh, who, you know, who knows? 
I like the uh, I like that the call out after the fight when uh, Fury's screaming for um, Usyk and Usyk jumped right up there on the ring and just stared at him as uh, Fury <laughs> credit to Fury as a promoter because I don't think he means ninety nine percent of the stuff he's saying he's screaming at him calling him bad names and Usyk's just staring straight at him and almost at one point was like licking eyes? his lips you, like he how was about looking those at eyes? steak. You see those yeah. eyes? <laughs> he's the I best. Mean those eyes. And, and then and then. And then Usyk takes out his phone and starts recording it like a selfie. And uh, after the camera's off them and the tension's off, you see them shake hands, almost like, hey, good job out there, like two wrestlers I in the WWE. In there. I don't know why I'm throwing uh, it in there, but I yeah. do know why. why because I, I like to uh, make people cognizant of such things. They see these fighters, they see how ferocious they can be and how tough they are and what they have to go through and... You know, how animalistic some people would say, Wow, that is his guy's animals, you know. And again, in a in a in a in the sense that you're applauding how tough they are, in the sense that you you're not calling them an animal in a way that you might call someone else an animal. You're calling them an animal uh, as far as respect of how ferocious, how tough, uh where they take themselves. But I happen to know Usyk as a really, really and a, and a lot of more. But I, in this case, I want to say a really good family man. I I, I know him. Uh, he happens to also be very religious. But for all that stuff and the fighters and everything they go through and you see those crazy eyes and everything else, uh, I figure I should point out that I, I know that about a lot of the fighters. But in this case, I personally know that he's a tremendous family man. And uh, <laughs> you look at those eyes and you wouldn't think it. Because when you look at those eyes, what do you think about? You think of Jack Nicholas uh, in The Shining, where, where he takes a hatchet <laughs> and he goes through the door and he says, I'm home. <laughs> hey, honey, I'm here's, here's Johnny. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, I get it. So I figure, you know what? Let me uh, deter that vision that visual, and, and let me put out another visual that I happen to know and another fact that I happen to know that Usyk is a great family man and a great human being, as many of the fighters are. Yep, just real quick, I just want to touch on one of the undercard uh, fights there was Daniel Dubois was in against uh, Kevin Lorana from South Africa. Kevin comes into the fight at 28-1 and with 14 knockouts. But again, as you would always say, who has he fought? So you look down the list, oh, the record looks nice, 28-1. Wow, this guy could be the real deal. Never had a fight outside of South Africa. So you think, what's the depth of the uh, talent pool in South Africa as a country just on heavyweights? And you start to get an idea that maybe this guy isn't what he's supposed to be. But in the first round, he catches uh, Dubois with a with an equilibrium shot on top of the head and gets him off balance and gets him on Queer Street and he knocks him down three times in the first round. And credit to the ref for recognizing that Dubois wasn't really hurt in the sense that we like to think where, oh my God, this guy's taking sustained damage. Dubois gets his, gets his act no, no, together, gonna, comes I'm back. I'm going to interrupt holds. you. Thank God that he had a green guy who never really wasn't what his record would purport him to be. That he wasn't he Correct. wasn't a higher level because a higher level guy probably would have got yeah. rid of him. Hundred percent. Thank God he was in there with the so right guy, you know, 
Yeah. If you're on his side of looking at things. Go ahead. I'm, I just. 100%. So the opponent wasn't as much an opponent as they thought. Or maybe he was. And he just landed an equilibrium shot. And to your point, couldn't close the deal. He lets Dubois hang around. Dubois gets him out of there. Blasts him out in the third round. Knocks him out. Uh, maybe a little quick on the stoppage on the other side. But I always say like, hey, that ref was probably like, oh my God, what's going on here? Like this was guy was supposed to be an opponent. I really believe that the ref's aware of everything that's going on. Soon as he sees the other guy. Lanara in Lorana in trouble. He waves off the fight. Maybe it was a good call, maybe not. But I think the fact that he had Dubois down three times may gave the ref every as soon as the ref had an opportunity to wave it off, he waves it off. Otherwise, like leading a sheep to the slaughter, they want to we'll see him get like destroyed. They give him a chance to get up and get knocked down again. I really believe that's part of the equation. So Dubois survives, gets the knockout. Very lucky he, uh, uh ref didn't stop it in the first round, and very lucky he wasn't in there with a more dangerous guy that could have really hurt him while he was off balance and like trying to get his bearings but one quick thing I want to point out it's funny to me when some of these uh, the the play-by-play guy in this case Joe Tess who's not an analyst but just like the color commentator he's stop, said uh, oh, stop man, saying he, you make me uh, I need people to, I mean can we just say the name if you're going to say oh, oh don't say the name just say the commentator but you know uh, sometimes you hear these things it, it makes me think of driving miss daisy remember that remember that movie driving miss yeah. daisy i, yeah, I think yeah. her name was like miss tess hey miss tess um uh, uh, where are we going today miss tess i think we're gonna go and we're gonna pick some uh dandelions we're gonna uh, maybe we're gonna go down the shopping center and we'll get some uh we'll get something down there i i mean I'm sorry. I digress. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> well, I, anyway. I should be better than that. I, I show a little tiny bit of my human shallow points at times, and I don't mean to. Uh, please forgive me. Um, well, anyway, it's funny. Joe Tessitore says, oh, he got clipped on the top of the head. And when you get hit with a shot like that, it really leaves a ringing, ringing, Nobody says, a ringing hey, sensation Teddy, or whatever. Nobody Teddy, says, Teddy, 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 Hey Teddy at hey Teddy at <laughs> where where you because they know I would I wouldn't allow it first of all and I would plus it doesn't work as well I would say where you at hey Teddy at <laughs> yeah where you at where you at where you been where you going where we at please continue. Well, it's just funny to me when you get a guy who like clearly has never been a boxer starts describing what happens when you get hit on top of the head and how the equilibrium gets knocked off. And all I can think is like, is that what happened to you, Joe, the time that you were in in tough and got clipped with an equilibrium shot? Nevertheless, to your point, I digress. I just thought it was funny commentary. But uh, Dubois survives that, gets the win, stops him. I know you had a chance to look at the highlights there, if not the whole fight. What'd you think? Oh, you covered it well. Um you know, you could be checking your plumbing too, and you could get, get your equilibrium knocked off too, Ken. I'm just saying. I'm just, <laughs> I'm head. just getting the cleaning supplies I'm, from I'm, underneath I'm, the sink. I, I don't know what he was doing under that sink. I have no idea, and I'm not trying to find out <laughs> or what anybody's doing under their sink other than getting cleaning supplies, hopefully. Um, but, you know, sometimes you get up a little too fast under that sink, and what happens? There's pipes above your head, and you know what can happen. <laughs> I think you get hit on top of the head and knocks your equilibrium off. Exactly. All you have to do, if you're wondering about the referee a little tiny bit, Ken, this is all you have to do. 
I'm going to ask you this question. You can answer it right away. Um, do you think that if rather than a hometown, home country fighter in this place, in this case, Dubois, if instead of him, the outsider, the guy who was brought in, in this case, um, Le, Le, Cam, Le, yeah, Lorana. If Lorana was in that condition, the same condition in that first round, is there any chance on earth that that referee doesn't stop it? Zero. After the second knockdown, if not the first, it'd be waved off. Just like he waved it off as soon as Lorana went down in the third, there was no way the ref wasn't stopping that You don't that fight. have to go to the courthouse. Come right here. Come right here, people. You don't need to go out in the cold and go to the courthouse and hire a lawyer. Come right here. There it is. That, that's the case. Uh, open and shut case. And it's the truth. But listen, all the credit to Dubois for the heart he showed, the Constitution, for getting up. And yes, when you get hit on top of the head, you you get screwed up. It, it lasts. Your equilibrium behind the ear, your equilibrium. It, it's very similar. Maybe Rob gets this one up. Rob, get this one up for the fans. I think it's perfect. Where Mike Tyson, when he won his first heavyweight title against Trevor Burbick, Unbelievable. Oh, it's a good it's one. It's a good one. Yeah, it's he a hits one. him on the forehead, hits him on the forehead, <laughs> Poor guy. and, and the, rest, uh, the rest is history. I mean, the guy, the, uh, the guy goes north, south, west, east. You know, he, he visited uh, the, the second row, the third row. He was seeing how the ushers were doing. He was looking to see if they had any peanuts left over in the aisle uh, behind them. He was doing the moonwalk. Uh, he was doing the moonwalk. <laughs> I mean, he, he was everywhere. That, look at that. Rob's going to get it up for you. Be reminded of that. One of the one of the most dramatic uh, knockouts ever, uh, as far as seeing that kind of stuff that went with. Dramatic and sensational. Bang! The guy's out. It's he's he's gone. I get it. But this one was uh, uh, this one was had all the all, all the stuff that goes all the theater um, drama that goes with power sometimes where. It's, it's really, really put on display where a guy hits you where it doesn't look like a huge shot. It looks like he grazes you on the forehead and then the guy looks like uh, Pinocchio uh, before the legs got nails put in him where he could stand a little straighter, you know what I mean? And and before he had those, uh, those sticks and strings that were pulling Pinocchio up. Uh, but the wop... The interesting thing in that first round too, Ken, that the commentator nobody really got on too much, was he gets hit on the equilibrium, then he gets hit another shot, and about two seconds, three seconds later, there's a delayed knockdown. Nobody really talked about that. Like he didn't get hit, and then he goes backwards, yep. and literally like two seconds go transpire, <laughs> and then he falls down. That you don't see that a lot. But I've seen it before. That's a delayed knockdown. That's when that's yep. when somebody's screwing with the electric work in your head. <laughs> that's when you that's yes. when you know that there's short circuiting going on uh, there. And that's why it's so impressive that <laughs> that Dubois found a way to get out of that round. Really found a way to get out of that round 
And then he comes back in the third round. I guess it was the third round, right, Ken? And yes, and he lands yes. a beautiful straight right hand that I don't think beautiful, right? Split the guard of of Lavrina, splits the guard, drops him with that, um, and then which was I thought very impressive was he's got his wherewithals wits about him where he goes after Lavrina gets up. He gets him against the ropes. He opens up, looks to finish him, which he did. He finished him. But what I was really impressed was after all these things we talked about, how hurt he was, how selective and proper he was with picking the right punches because he finished with the perfect uppercut. I mean, see, I look at it as a trainer. I say, not that he just jumped on and kept throwing to the, the guy fell or until the referee stopped it. He jumped on him after he dropped him with that straight right hand. And he places, a, he puts a few punches together, sets them up, dresses them up, and then places a beautiful right uppercut that drops him and ultimately ends the fight because uh, he gets up, but the referee stopped it. And look, he was hurt. Lorena was hurt, no doubt about Definitely. it. And he probably would have got stopped later on, uh, a few seconds later, if he let it go. But, but to your earlier but, point, if that yes, was if that was Dubois that hurt, they would have let him go out, get knocked out of the ring. A hundred percent. Because they, 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 they proved that in the first round. I mean, it, it's not yep. Ken and Teddy saying this. I mean, we're just we're saying it off of what the body of evidence is. Yeah, they would have. They he would have got dropped. They might have helped him up a little bit. Who knows? But they they definitely would have let him continue. They did not let Lorena continue. Um, they stopped it. It was hey, it was an interesting, exciting fight. I want to finish up with one last thing about the Fury uh, Chisora fight. I I mentioned before anybody really was mentioning him for the last year about Joe Joyce, right, Ken? On this air, oh, I've yeah. been saying this yeah. guy's a player. This guy's got a chin of granite. He reminds me of a younger foreman, although. I got to be careful with that because he is 38 years old. But he, you know, he still, he reminds me, Joyce reminds me of George Foreman when he was in his first life, if you will, before the comeback, in his first life. Just a big guy, a ponderous puncher, a, a concussive puncher, not a snappy puncher. Boom, you're gone. Like like getting hit with, with, a, with, with a baseball bat. I mean, just... Concussive, as I used the first word, blunt, uh, just a blunting type puncher that uh, does damage. He's big. He's relentless. Uh, as I said, he's got a great heart, great chin so far. Um, I've been calling for this guy to be in there instead of some of these other guys to to get the shot. I've been and to the credit of Fury. He called his name out. You know, he brought him up into the ring. He gave him. Did, did he you gave like the, the way respect. that Joe Joyce? I love the respect. Joe Joyce jumped up on the up on the ring with Usyk and ejected himself in. So Fury uh, had to say his him. name. He, well, no, I love no, it. No, no, it was no you're right. Fury's no dope. He had to say his name. You're right. You're right. But um, Joyce made the most of his moment. He he has to because Definitely. nobody's talking about him. So he. He was sitting with Usyk at the fight, which was interesting. I loved it. Usyk is like friend, friendly with everyone. He's great. He's great, that guy. You can't he's dislike great. him. He's he doesn't great. talk he's crap. Great. He just shows up and handles yeah, business. He's great. But I like Joyce too a lot. And I've been, like I yeah. said, I've been singing his praises for over a year on this on this show. And 
I'm glad that he's getting the recognition that he gets shouted out. You know, he shouted himself out a little bit. He threw himself in there. But yeah. then Fury did the right thing. He brought him, you know, he, he he called his name and he talked about him and he gave him that he gave him that spotlight that he deserves. I, I'll finish with this, and I said this before on the air, on our air. I'd rather I I'm sorry. I don't want to see Dillian White and Joshua. They're gonna make millions of dollars. The fans are gonna come out, you know. Even though, even though he's only one fight removed by being destroyed uh, by Fury, uh, he being white, and even though Joshua's lost two times in a row to a smaller man, they're gonna come out and they're gonna fill a huge stadium. I, but I so much would rather. I don't want to see that Joshua with him. I, I'd rather see him with with Joyce. But he's not gonna him and, or Wilder or Wilder. But but Joyce or. or I'd like to see Joyce with any of these guys, but but yeah. but rather see rather than give another chance, another chance to Wada, who's had his chances, made his money. You know, I'm not saying he can't make more, but give that chance to Joyce. He's earned it. He's yes. earned it. And yes. and again, if you want to put Joyce in Wada, wow. Uh, to see a, a stick of dynamite set underneath the chin of Joyce to see if it can handle that explosion. And and if, yeah. oh, uh, uh, that would be something. But again, Joshua, I mean, I mean, saying if, if, that's like saying, you know, that old saying, right, Ken? You know, if my aunt, you know what I mean, uh, could, <laughs> would, yeah. would be my uncle because there's no way on God's earth, no way, that Joshua and his promoter are getting within they wouldn't they wouldn't get within a 10 foot pole of, <laughs> of, of 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 Joyce in that boxing ring no way no way no but way. anyway i'm glad that he got his shout out i'm glad that he 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 made the most of his moment there um anyway uh what next what next Buddy, let's talk uh, the trilogy with um, <clears throat> Chocolate Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez in for fight number three against Juan Francisco Estrada. Estrada gets the majority decision, and again another like very tightly contested contest. Um, Estrada got the got the last win via split decision. Um, Meaning basically one, I think it's important to point out the, the difference for some fans between a split decision and a majority decision. In a split decision, one judge has it for one guy, two judges have it for the other guy, the ultimate winner. And this fight was a majority decision, meaning one fight had it at one judge had it as a draw, and two guys had it as a, a win for Estrada, given making it a majority decision versus a split decision. So Estrada gets the win, majority decision. These guys have fought 36 rounds. They're basically as close as you you can get for two fighters um you know one round one round two rounds either way in every contest is the uh made the difference at least in the last two how'd you like that fight the first two fights they have by the way were like candidates for fights of the year just like fireworks all night long this fight i didn't think had the uh the same drama i thought estrada basically won the first i think f swept all five of the first five rounds and then chocolatito who's a little bit older came on in the in the second half of the fight and took the majority of the rounds there uh chocolatito's 35 years old but he's been in uh 51 and four interestingly he has four losses but only to two guys he lost to the tie fighter he's a um, monster that tie fighter is a monster it was a monster yeah he, he 
he's got a different his his official Good name is listed as Wangak, Wangak, but it's like uh, I don't even gonna oh, try. But it's right. the Thai uh, the Thai fighter, um, Suring Suring Vise. Your mom didn't raise any name. fool. You're not trying that one. <laughs> um, I I want to go back for two seconds. I took the time to circle it in red magic marker um, that my grandson left me. And I just want to say it's it's just one sentence, uh, pertaining, of course, to the Fury and and uh, Trezora fight. And I made a note to myself after the fight, and I want to read it to all our fans out there because obviously this is how my mind thinks, and sometimes how our hearts beat a little bit, and I think a lot of people probably feel the same way. I wrote this to myself. I just don't want to see old men tortured in a ring. It's not good for the soul or for the sport. I just had to say that because uh, I thought it was worth, if I thought it was worth circling it, obviously I thought it was worth uh, making sure I said that to our audience. For sure. Uh, they know where I'm coming from and where we're coming from. Anyway, Chocolito Estrada number three. First thing that struck me, good crowd, just like we saw all day long, Ken. You know, great crowd at UFC that night, great crowd uh, in London, and, and a real good crowd here too. You know, not what London gets, but but a good crowd. Um, Glendale, Arizona. Yeah, and, and great Latino fans, great boxing fans, period, but great. I, I just want to give that, that shout out that... Uh, we, we got great London fans. I always give them that great shout-out, how great they are. Um, but the Latino fans, tremendous. So, Chocolito's been around. I think the first thing I that's I needed to point out, I mean, for the part that I at least emphasize it, is that he's been around fighting at the top level for a long time. And it's really amazing to me, Ken, when you think about it, that he could do what he's done for so long and with the style that he fights with. You know, it's it's not like Mayweather. And I'm not knocking Mayweather. I love Mayweather. But obviously, you take less wear and tear when you fight that kind of defensive style. And not the case when you fight this kind of style where you're always coming forward. You're the shark in the water. You know, you're, you're always looking. You're, you're the predator. You're always looking for to to get to that prey, and and it entails more punishment, and to have that style, and it's a fan friendly style. Although I love Mayweather's style too, but it's a different kind of style. Some fans love it. It's kind of like I often make the uh, where I equate and make the analogy with baseball, where some people want to see home runs, other people want to go and see a great pitcher who knows how to control the batter, who knows how to hit the corners, who knows how to change speeds, you know, who knows how to do all that, who knows how to disarm, to take the bat off of, out of the hands of a, of a great, great, great slugger. I, I understand uh, the taste for different, you know, it's, it's up to the person, the individual, but most fans love the style of Chocolito. And this is a guy who was at one time pound for pound, number one, number two in the world. And again, to have this kind of career where he's 35 years old, 
how many fights? 56, whatever it is, 57, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. 55 yeah, fights. 55 fights. Um, to have, and now it's 56, I think, but to have. The, that was the 50 50s. Now, his oh, okay. record now is 51 and 4. So to have all those fights, that longevity at that level, you know, like you said, he's only lost to four guys. He ain't, you know, he's not fighting like the old timers would say. Now, I'm not, uh, they used the phrase tomato cans, but I, I don't want to call any fighter tomato can. Anyone who could get in that ring, they're more than a tomato can. Or they could come out of that locker room, walk up those steps and, and face what they have to face. Um, you, you got more than most people have uh, working for you right there. But these are not your, you know, they didn't take them off the street. You know what I mean? They didn't, they didn't go and find doormen, uh, you know, uh, down on Park Avenue and say, hey, you want to make a few bucks? Uh, although those doormen probably would say no because they're, they're doing pretty good. But I remember promoters back in the day on local promotions where a guy, they lost a, a fight. Uh, they lost, the commissions were different, the rules were different, the standards were different, uh, all of that. But they would lose a fight during the day, Ken, and they would go out and they would go in the neighborhood to the basketball courts and look for somebody playing basketball, figure he was in shape, right? Uh, play and say, hey, buddy, you want to make $500 tonight? Yeah. What do I got to do? <laughs> Come with me. Come with me. See if these fit. Yeah, that really happened. I, unfortunately, in some states, it still happens. But um, uh, that's for another. That's a conversation for another day. All right. But Teddy, I think there's also stories back in the day where a fighter's manager would get in and fight him for uh, when a fighter fell out. I'm trying to think what book I read that in, but there's been yeah, stories well, I know like one that of them. where <laughs> I know one Don Elbaum, um, a, a legendary promoter uh, who just he's a friend of mine. He just got in the Hall of Fame uh, recently. Uh, yeah, he's one of them. There's, there's a few of them you're a hundred percent but the point we're making here is to have the longevity that Chocolita has at the level not fighting doormen not fighting guys off the basketball court you know fighting top guys with the style that he fights with wow I mean it's pretty amazing and to the point that I was making in the Fury fight a guy does get old and I thought he got old. I, I, he fought a great fight. Don't get me wrong. It was a great fight. It took him a few rounds to get his engine going. He was sitting in the driveway like a car that was just idling in the driveway. wasn't going nowhere. And he lost the first few rounds. But then once he got the engine going, he got on the highway. And he got going. And he does what he does. Brings the pressure. Tries to weigh you down. Chocolito. Keeps coming. Goes to the head and body. And places good hard punches. Gets in position and places good, hard, accurate punches. Now, he blew a lot of early rounds. But before I get into the real X's and O's and the pure analysis of the fight, he, again, it wasn't the same Chocolito. Yeah, I know he's a slow starter. He was even slower this night. That's got to do with age. He He's... And, and I, I'm going to differentiate a little. I'm going to qualify something here. Everybody, it's easy to say a guy gets old. I'm going to do it a little different. Trezora just got old. There's two forms of old. You can physically get old, which Trezora did, or you could 
mentally get old. I think there was a combination. I think there's a little something of the physical going on with Chuck Lita. Not not so much because he did he did go out there and fight a hell of a fight, but a little bit. But I think mentally, when you fight this kind of style where you put that pressure on yourself, where you're always the man, you're always the guy taking a risk. You're always the one taking that hill like the Marines. You're the one who's going up that hill. You're the one who's coming forward, taking the taking what's coming at you, putting yourself in peril all the time. When you have that kind of style, it it takes a lot to re-energize, especially as you get older, to 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 keep the tank fueled emotionally, mentally, to keep fighting that style. It gets tiring. It gets old. And I think that that was part of it. I think I saw Chocolito mentally get old. Like, do I want to, Can not only do I want to, can I get myself to fight with that kind of ferocity, with that kind of passion? He did, but it wasn't easy. And, and I saw, again, a differentiation of physically old, mentally old, where... You just, to continue to ask that of yourself. No, I'm, I'm using the wrong word. Demand that of yourself. To, to mandate that of yourself. To say, yeah, you gotta go get him. Yeah, kid, you gotta go get him, kid. Yeah. Maybe it comes a day where you don't feel like you gotta go get him anymore. Where you gotta be convinced. And I think it took some convincing some talking to himself. That was part of the slows. Now, the commentators would never go there and give you that, and I'm not knocking them for it because they, they, except for the former fighters, most of these guys have never been, you know, really in that kind of situation to understand what we're talking about. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be a fight in the ring. It can be just a fight in life, dealing with, having to get yourself to still go. How about that father who goes out there and he breaks concrete? Now, he, since he's 20 years old, 25 years old, right, to take care of his family, he breaks concrete with, with, with one of those, with, with one of those um, jackhammers, and he's doing that, and, and he's doing it when it's really hot, and he, but he's only 25. Then he's 35, and it's really hot, but he's 35. Then he becomes 45 or 40, and it's cold and hot, frigid days out there, and your hands are bleeding and cracking, and, and your bones don't feel the way they did when they were 25, and you still got to go out there and do it because you still got bills. <laughs> you still got rent. You still got gas. You still got all that stuff. You got food for your family. You know what? I'm sure that father has to talk to himself for a while, as he gets older to get out there where he's physically getting old but he's mentally getting old so it doesn't have to be in a ring to understand what i'm talking about to have felt those blows if you will to have felt that fight to have been in that fight to understand what that fight's about it can be doing other things it could be going to the courtroom and going to the courtroom for years and years and defending your clients in whatever kind of law you're in and then and then after 10 years, 
15, 20, whatever it is, whatever that number is. Then all of a sudden, I got to keep doing that. I got to do it at this level. And I got to talk to myself to want to do it. Not that I can't do it, but to want to do it, to want to defend this guy, to want to defend these things still. Are they still as important to me as they were 10 years ago, 15 years ago? That's, that's, that's a question that comes like a left hook, like a right hand, like a, a body shot. So whoever's been in these fights, you understand what I'm talking about. And I just thought that Chocolito, who's been in these fights, he understands what I'm talking about, I bet you. Where, and if you get to that place, it's time for somebody to say, hey, let's go off to the sunset now. You earned it. That's, that's not way too long, like you talked about earlier. That's not way too And we've seen them go too long. We've seen the alleys, the Joe Frazier's. Although, I don't want to, you don't want to see those. You don't want to see that. You don't want to see a, a, a great man, not great anymore, broken that way. I didn't even want to see Willie Mays when he was in a Mets uniform, when, when he couldn't go out there and do his famous, I love Willie Mays, where he did his famous basket catch like this with his hands around his belly and he caught it. And where instead of catching it, he dropped it. And I was out there, I went to Shea Stadium and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And, and even as a kid, I remember somebody said, well, kid, you got to see Willie Mays. And you know what I said, Ken? I no, I didn't. No, I didn't. That wasn't Willie Mays. So I, you just wish that you could wish it for these guys to get out at the right time. You wish that you could. But um, he got the engine going. He started putting... By, he, there was a point in the middle of the fight where it looked like Estrada was going to dominate him. Dominate him. And then the great Chocolito with all the things that he has that exists in him, you know, his makeup, he just started going, 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 going. And then he started to make it look like an old Chocolito fight where he was going to wear down Estrada, where he was going to break Estrada maybe, where he was going to, you know, get to him. And it was a really good fight. It turned out to be a really good fight. I thought there were moments there, just like I thought in a Fury breakdown, where Fury was pulling on his punches a little bit, where where Fury, because you know he was carrying a guy, I where he was uh, not pushing on the gas pedal, if you will, stepping on the gas pedal. I thought there were spots where they. Chocolito and Estrada were almost too friendly. And they are friendly. They went on a vacation together. These guys respect each other. They're friends. And I thought I was seeing a little of that, especially from Chocolito, a little bit where he was almost like almost like a spawn session. But then they, then they shook that off because they became what they are, freaking warriors. And, 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 and then that has no room for friends. Friends come later. Friends come later when it comes to being a warrior. That, that gets forgotten real quick, and the warrior part takes front and center. And they behave like they behave. Like, I, I got to defend my territory. I got to defend my, <laughs> you know, this is what I do. I got to defend my ter territory, and I got to honor my code. My code, not to the sport, 
but my code of conduct to myself. And and they got it on. And but I did see some of that. And then Estrada was the more, I don't want to say more dimensional, but he was. He's the more dimensional fighter. Estrada won the fight by being able to use his legs and his combination. His hands were faster. His legs, of course, were better, but he used his legs in a different way than Chagolita does. Chagolita's style is to use his legs to go forward. Estrada is to have fight with you. He's a proud son of a gun. He's, he's from that warrior tribe, if you will, you know, that these guys come from. But he'll fight with you in spots and he'll box in spots. He did both. And he's got faster hands. I thought what won the fight for Estrada was close fight and then Chocolita tightened it up late. But what won it for was his legs and his quicker hands and his ability to put punches together, his quick combination punching. Now, Chocolita landed the cleaner, harder, more telling punches, which got him some rounds. But at the end of the day, Ken, for me, what it was, was Estrada being able to box on the outside a little bit, fight when he had to in spots, put combinations together, use the legs to get some separation and, you know, to keep Chocolita a little off balance in spots. And then to steal rounds down the stretch where he would flurry and late in the round where Chocolita had probably won the round. It reminded me a little bit of Sugar Ray Leonard with Marvin Hagler, where Leonard, remember that, Ken? Where, where Leonard would steal the last minute of the round, maybe. Maybe. A little bit. Leonard's great. I love him. Um, and I love Hagler. God bless him. God bless him up there where all the champions go. Um, Marvin, you were great. That was a close fight. A lot of people thought Hagler should have won it. I thought it was, I thought Leonard fought a hell of a fight. That's all I say. He fought a hell of a fight, and I love Marvin. I love them both. But there were spots where Leonard smartly flurried at the end to maybe grab it from the judges. I thought Estrada smartly flurried at the end of some rounds that might have been going the direction of Chocolita, and he might have pulled them into his direction. You know, I, I, I didn't get the commentators when they were saying, Chocolita. Uh, has complete control of this fight. I didn't think he had complete control. He was taking control. He needed to because he was behind. But where they said like he just took over the fight, complete control, I would have argued it because of what Estrada was doing. At the end of the rounds, again, he was flurrying to, to, to grab back something that he might have been ready to almost ready to lose. He was grabbing back some of those rounds. Uh, I thought that at the end of the day, I wouldn't have argued a draw, but I thought that Estrada probably deserved it by a couple couple rounds. By a couple rounds. He probably deserved it by a couple rounds. Um, at the end of the day, again, Chocolita... It was a great twelfth uh, round, by the way. Great twelfth round, and if it had come down to that round, which it didn't, because two of the other judges gave it, gave it fairly handily to uh, Estrada. What one, one sixteen, one twelve, something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was, but obviously it would have made a difference with the judge that had it a draw. That that last round for me, that last round, if it did come up to that to win the fight. 
Estrada won it because he pulled it out. It was a great round. Great round. And again, Trugolita's trying to place the harder punches. But Estrada, I thought, grabbed that last round towards the end. As he may have grabbed other rounds, as I've been saying, towards the end. But all said and done, terrific fight. Terrific fight uh, by two warriors. You got you to gotta respect both of them. You got to admire and appreciate both of them. Uh, Estrada just a little faster. Legs, uh, you know, his jab uh, more consistent. I thought Chocolita could have used the jab more because it's important to use a jab when you're the guy coming in uh, to blurry his windshield, put bugs on the windshield, like I would say. You know, make it harder for him to dominate you on the outside, uh, to stabilize him with that jab. I thought Chocolita could have used it a little more. Um, I thought he could have went to the body more. He went to the body, but I thought he should have went to the body more because there's no better way to take the air out of somebody's tires uh, or the legs, which Estrada was, those were his tires, the legs. There's no better way to deflate them than to go to the body, you know? So I I thought he could have done more of that, um, but he made it a close fight when early on it looked like he was going to be dominated. He turned it around. Uh, it looked like he was going to break down. Uh, again, uh, uh, later in the fight, it looked like his pressure was going to do what it used to do, what it did for years, Ken, break down Estrada, but not at this point in his career. And credit to Estrada, but not at this point in his career. He didn't have enough petrol, maybe mentally too, maybe mentally, but probably also physically to really pour it on the way he would have had to pour it on the rest of the way but a a terrific fight yeah great fight those guys always deliver let's uh let's jump over to the ufc and uh bang through this uh fight night card on the stephen thompson wonder boy thompson and kevin hall another card if you tell me to bang through you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna bang through (laughs) no yeah i know you do i'm gonna bang through Let's start with the uh, the heavyweights, the ever-entertaining Tai Tuivasa in tough against Sergei Pavlovich, who's 17-1 as an MMA fighter. Let me see what his last... Uh his last last five wins in the UFC, all first-round knockouts. Good Lord, Derek Lewis. He's, he's, you set him up, he's knocking him over. He destroys Tuivasa in, uh, in about one minute of the first round. How'd you like that one? How'd you like the boxing from uh, Pavlovich? My God, he was putting shots together. Yeah, I call it more slugging, but I got you. Um, uh, Rock'em, sock'em, but Pavlovich, of course, um, is a better guy. But he, here's what I have to say first. My son, Teddy, who's been a scout in the NFL for, you know, for 14 years now, he, he's been watching fighting since he's in diapers. So he has a little bit, I would say, of knowledge. My daughter, too. But a little bit of knowledge about the sport and instinct about the sport. You know what he said to me before this fight? What's that? He says, he go, comes up to me, Ken. He says, Dad? Um, well, he actually doesn't come up to me. He was here last week. But he calls me on the phone. He says, Dad? I think Tavas is taking this fight too soon. It was only three months ago that he fought Gan. He got knocked out by Gan. Took a lot out of him. And Dad, like you always say, there's still ghosts in the attic. 
He hasn't removed those ghosts. Three months, not enough time to remove those ghosts. I think that he's taking this fight too soon. And I think that if Pav, Pavlovich jumps on him, he's going to get rid of him. Oh my goodness. Why didn't I call my bookie? Why didn't I immediately call my bookie, Ken? You know, and uh, immediately. And um, he was right on the button. And I'm going to take it further. I think that Pavlovich was on the button. What do I mean by that? That he recognized what my son recognized. That, yeah, this guy just got knocked out by a huge guy gone only three months ago. And you know what? It's not enough time to recover. Not physically, maybe, but mentally. It's not enough for those ghosts to have been exercised, if you will. For those, those witches to be out of the belfry, out of the head of Tavosa, Tavasa. So if I jump on him, if I jump on him and don't give him a chance to breathe or a chance to gain confidence or a chance to do an exorcism, a chance to get rid of, to have a round or two, to get rid of those witches, I think it's going to be smart to do that. And he was smart to do that. He did that. I think that plays in. I mean, if I, if I was a commentator on UFC and they got the best commentators in the world, they got the best in the world. But man, I would have loved with, with the, and they are great, John Anik and DC and, and Bisbang, all of them, Rogue and all. But I would have loved to have just said that before the fight started, just to say, hey, do you guys think, you guys know best, you've been in this cage. Do you guys think that those ghosts from gone are gone yet? Because if they're not, Pavlovich, Pavlovich, might want to jump on them and make sure that those ghosts show themselves. And he did. And also, you know, there's a saying, I tweeted this, my great tweet team, Ian and Brennan and Rob, I tweeted this. Brennan's been working uh, overtime. He's been working overtime. Um, he, he has. But I said, and I uh, sometimes these old, axioms come to play where that old saying can live by the gun die by the gun live by the sword die by the sword yep. live by the live by the wide punch die by the wide punch live by the you know the haymaker die by the haymaker that was part of it too Tavaza came in there his style haymakers galore boom boom big wide punch. guess what when you miss a haymaker, you leave yourself open. And Pavlovich, to his credit, took advantage of that. He was a little more contained. He was a little bit more deliberate. He was a little, even though he went right after him, but he, he knew what he was doing. He was a little bit more buttoned up in, in his punches. And when Tavasa missed those big shots, Pavlovich didn't. And you know what? We were talking earlier about the Dubai fight, the Dubois fight over in London, getting hit on top of the head. We're talking about the Tyson fight when he hit Trevor Burbick on the on the temple. Pavlovich hit Tavasa on top of the head. One of those punches really took him out of there. Really messed him up. Messed him up. Was on top of the head. One of those shots. And now you're talking about, now with a 10-ounce glove, you're talking about with a 4-ounce pad instead of a 10-ounce glove right on top of the head. So I, I, I'm impressed by Pavlovich. He got the job done. I think he took advantage of 
maybe knowing that this guy was coming off a knockout loss. If I jump on him, he might be susceptible or more susceptible. He jumped on him. Again, he was more buttoned up. He was tighter with his punches. Um, Tavansa missed. Pavlovich didn't miss. He came right back, caught him. And I'll finish with one last thing about Pavlovich that I really like. I always talk about the great Joe Lewis, one of maybe the greatest finisher ever in the sport of boxing. Pavlovich has a little Joe Lewis in him. He's a good finisher. He's a good finisher. He once he had him hurt, he was not allowing Tovasa to get to that next round. No way, Jose was not doing it. He and 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 not just only wide wild punches, but very very um very placed uh you know deliberate in his own way even though he's going out there 100 miles an hour there's still a deliberateness that you can have when you're going 100 miles where you know where those punches where you want them to go that you still have that mindset you know the there there might be a 100 mile hour wind swirling around you but you're in the pocket of your own calmness. Just like a great lawyer, just like a great doctor, just like a great teacher in a classroom, just like a great trainer in a corner, just like a great fighter in a ring or an octagon, where you're calm in an uncalm environment, where there's fire all around you, there's, there's winds all around you, crazy, chaos. But you're not chaos. You're calm, you're contained, you're controlled, and that gives you a big edge. I saw that quality in Pavlovich. Um, I can't wait to see him and Gan. It's going to be very interesting because two of us had Gan hurt, Ken. He had him hurt. You know, I mean, Gan was the more sophisticated fighter and, and he's terrific. And I think he's learned a lot and developed a lot from his loss to Nganyu, our friend, and Ganyu, um, the heavyweight champ. But, he did get hurt by Tuvasa early, uh, gone. And yeah, he's going to be the most sophisticated guy again. He's big. He's you know he he's got the ability to use the outside, the legs, to do so many things. You know he's um he's technically so damn good. Besides being so strong and so big, but if Tuvasa could hurt him, Pavla, he Pavlovich could hurt him too. And if hurt Pavlovich hurts him. He's got a better chance of then taking him to the next place that Tuvasa couldn't take him to that place where you can get rid of a guy. Anyway, that's that fight. Very good. Before we get on to the rest, I want to take a minute, Teddy, just give a shout out to our friends over at Athletic Greens AG1. Give them a shot as your preferred uh, daily vitamin, if you will. I take this stuff first thing in the morning. It mixes super easy with uh, about 12 ounces of water, one scoop. Boom, all the vitamins and minerals that you need in one-stop shop. With this, with Athletic Greens, you don't need any other vitamin supplementation for all intents and purposes. I consider it like an insurance policy for my health and immunity system, especially if you're on the go, if you're training, if you're traveling, if you're traveling, the, the travel packs are invaluable. If you go to athleticgreens.com slash atlas, A-T-L-A-S, they'll give you 10 free travel packs with your first purchase at athleticgreens.com slash atlas 
to take advantage of the opportunity. This stuff has everything you need. 75 whole food sourced ingredients, vitamins, minerals, probiotics, prebiotic. It's got it all. Even if you're eating the healthiest diet, you still want to make sure you're getting all the vitamins and minerals your body needs on a daily basis. It's almost impossible to get everything from food alone, although I do think of food as nature's vitamins, especially fruits and vegetables. Do the right thing and take care of your body like your life depends on it, because it does. Athleticgreens.com slash Atlas. 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. All right, Teddy. Our friend. Hey, Ken, Ken, you know what you remind me of? Tell me. Not what you think I'm going to go down that road. (laughs) Uh, no, it's it's not the guy from The Price Is Right, or <laughs> you know, or, or um, the the guy with uh, uh, what was the other great uh, show that used to be on um, uh, Will of Fortune. Let's make a deal, Monty Hall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, let's make a deal. No, you have a good voice. You're very smooth. You you're doing this stuff better and better. You're great. You're great. Thank you. And more importantly, you believe what you're saying, and because you you do believe it, because. You're trying the stuff that we're putting out there and you're using it. But I was going to go a different direction. You remind me of the fighters, the the real fighters from the day, where they used to be asked a question, hey, uh, what do you think about, you know, are you worried about the judges? And the fighter would say, these are my judges right here. You see these two fists? These are my judges right here. You... Oh, that guy with your legs. You get you get to I think that and, and and it couldn't be more complimentary. Where you go to a race and someone say, Well, what do you think? You you think about the course, the weather, the you know, in this case it's not judges, but what do you think? What do I think? I think about these two guys mm-hmm. right here. These these two guys. That's what I need. That's all I need. And I think that's I think that's the lesson we try to kind of put forward both of us when we do these shows that that's all you need yep. you know uh the fighter used to say that's all i need i don't give a damn about the judges i don't care how they look this is what i need and and we say the same thing to the people out there every time we do this every week all you need is yourself that's your it. belief yourself that's all you need that's all you need. Let's get to that next UFC fight. I think it's Schnell and Nikolai, whatever it is, right? Is that it? Yep. I don't know. Yep, that's exactly right. Our friend Matt Schnell, former guest of the show, was in tough against uh, Matthias Nikolai. You're always in tough in the I UFC. I was trying to help him. I was trying to help him. No, nothing against Nikolai. Uh, you know, uh, nothing but respect. He's terrific. But I was trying to help Schnell. I put out a, I put out a tweet. My, my team corrected it. But I put out an erroneous tweet. I don't like erroneous tweets. Ken? I don't like erroneous tweets. I don't do it, but I did it. I put out by mistake. I was too hasty, whatever. Maybe subconsciously, subliminally, I was thinking about our buddy Schnell who came on the show, and I put that he dropped Nikolai instead of it being Nikolai who dropped Schnell. But my team corrected it, corrected it, put it right back up there. But maybe it was a 40-int, you know, that old 40-int, um, slip where where i was wishing um and nothing against nikolai but maybe i was wishing that it had been schnell but it wasn't schnell nikolai uh he got rid of him go ahead set it up and then i'll 
I'll tell you what I saw. Yeah. Well, anyway, Matt Schnell in tough. Like I said, you're always in tough when you're in the, uh, you, in the UFC. And uh, Schnell gets knocked out, unfortunately, in the second round. Really one-sided on the receiving end of a, of a basically a one-sided beatdown. Looked like one-way traffic for all intents and purposes. How'd you like that one? Yeah, Nikolai, listen, Nikolai dropped him several times and then he finished him. He caught him the way, again, here we are again. I can't believe it. It's like this episode is about all the punches on, on the back of the head or top of the head or, or behind the ear. He finished him, caught him coming in. It's always nice when you can catch a guy with a really, when you catch a guy coming in, obviously you can do more damage because you're not only got the ferocity of your punch, but you got the velocity of the guy's head coming forward. Um, both of them colliding and doing even more damage. But Nikolai did a great job of timing him with a right-hand counter uh, as Schnell was coming forward, and he caught him behind the ear. And as we've been talking about earlier in the podcast, those punches are damaging and debilitating because they take away your equilibrium. You know, it's one thing you get hit, you shake it off. But these, you don't shake off. You know, they stay with you. Kind of like a liver punch to the body. <laughs> that, those, you don't shake off. You know, they they stay with you. You know, they remind you. Like, you, 30 seconds later, you think it's gone. And meanwhile, they, they your stomach looks up, your liver looks up at you and says, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still hurting you. I'm still hurting you. I ain't going nowhere. Yeah, yeah. I'm still bringing pain. You're not over. I'm not true with you. <laughs> I'm not true with you. So, um, yeah, perfect uh, punch behind the ear. A lot of damage. Uh, good, good, impressive performance and knockout by Nikolai. Yep, that's pretty much all you need to know on that one. In the um, in the co-main, Brian Barberina in with Rafael Dos Anjos. Dos Anjos, I feel like he's been around for about 30 years, and uh, <laughs> Barberina had a, was on a bit of a winning streak, was looking good, climbing the rankings, and um, Dos Anjos, just so dangerous on the ground, jumped on his back, slapped in a rear naked choke, and got him out of there in the uh, second round. How'd you like that fight? Yeah, all about, as I always say, all about the geography you need for your skills, right, Ken? Yeah. You know, that's what it was about, as you just said. Uh, Dos Anjos, he got that geography, you know, on the mat. He he looked like, you know, it's funny. He looked like a one-trick pony, but um, guess what? That one trick uh, is pretty damn good. Um, it's great, actually. Uh, and the only one he needed on this night, that's for sure. Uh, he's The thing that stands out to me, besides his obvious uh, skills on the mat, he's so calculating and deliberate about what he does. You know, he mounted Barbarina at the end. You know, he got the rear naked choke, um, submitted him. I, I, always, uh, I always talk about when doing the analysis of a fight, especially preliminary, I talk about how important it is for a fighter to know his identity. You know, and then I sometimes will segue into the great Clint Eastwood, where I use uh, from his Dirty Harry movies, where I use a line from there. A man must know his strengths and his limitations. And that's what, 
you have to be as a fighter. One of the most important things, it seems so basic, but it's not always that basic or that it is basic, but not always that simple where some guys, some fighters are at a point early in their career, they don't know their identity. They're not sure, am I a guy that goes get you? Am I a guy that counters all night? Am I a guy that mixes them up? Am I a guy that looks to get, you know, side moves and, and get angles? You know, what am I? You got to know what you are. And obviously, Dos Anjos knows his identity. And that's the thing that really I walked away with. This guy knows exactly what he is and um, and 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 takes you right to where he has to take you if he can, um, and he did, you know he he took he took uh, a very tough strong Barbarina right to the mat, and uh, that was all she wrote. Next, yep, Barbar- next that's bang up. Barbarina was on a three fight win streak, but uh, Dos Anjos uh, put an end to that uh, main event. Steven Wonderboy Thompson in with Kevin Holland. Two of the nicer guys in the sport engaged in a a totals kickboxing match for the entire fight. Um, I think Kevin Holland was trying to be entertaining and didn't want to take it to the match, Matt, where I think he may have had a bit of an advantage, but chose to stand on his feet even when he had the opportunities to get on the ground with uh, Wonderboy and ended up paying the price he gets. Basically stopped at the end of the fourth round. Man, I think I, I I think if my memory serves me correct, he got stopped him on 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 body shots. Um, he was just wearing him down all night long. He Kevin Holland just tough as nails took a beating. Um, how'd you like the how'd you like the uh, stand up work from um, from both guys, but in particular Stephen Thompson? No, you had to love it. I said I tweeted at least it made me not that I didn't know anything that everyone didn't know, but I tweeted that it's going to be an explosive fight. It was. Mm-hmm. Um, Holland, who's a wiry guy, good puncher with the right hand, especially wiry guys. Wiry guys get a lot of leverage. Um, he he hurt Thompson in the first round, pretty good with the uh, right hand, and and then Thompson he won that first round. Then Thompson evens up one one by winning the second round. Uh, Thompson was in the southpaw stance, and Holland did the right thing. Right hands usually land against southpaws. And I call them the southpaw killers sometimes. And Holland went out there, again, first round, drops the right hand on Thompson and the southpaw stands, hurts him. Then Thompson comes back. And for a while there, it was like a battle of the of the southpaw left hand of Thompson versus the right hand of Holland, back and forth. They were, there because Thompson was doing a hell of a job of zeroing in with his left hand. Uh, the one thing that I want to say before I go deeper, Holland was the favorite. And, you know, Thompson's 39 years old. Looked damn good for a 39-year-old. He, he looked good for a 29-year-old. Forget about 39. But Holland was the favorite. And one of the things that really we brought to light, and it, it it's it's apparent um, if you're not living with your head up in the clouds, if you're honest with yourself, that it happens much more in UFC. It's not like that irregular to get an upset in the UFC, but it is in boxing. In boxing, you don't get the underdog winning nearly as much as you do in the UFC because the UFC, they really, they're, they 
they test and develop their fighters. You could have eight losses, 10 losses, four losses, two losses. It don't matter. You've been in there with the best. You learn how to fight and you're ready. And you know how to behave like a fighter now. And you know that you can depend on yourself. Very important. Very important. And a lot of times, these fighters, they, you know, in, in boxing, that's the big difference. Uh, you're, they're given cannon fodder, like feeding time at the zoo. So it's going to be no upsets, really, except, you know, when you get way down the road in boxing. But at these kind of fights, you very rarely see upsets in boxing, but you see them all the time in the UFC. Again, because these guys are developed, these guys are forged uh, in the fire, and, and they're still on their blades, can withstand, it can withstand a pounding. It can withstand hitting against other steel. And, you know, I know I, I, I beat this drum a lot of times, but in boxing, you'll get, you'll get some of these guys where they're not tested. They, their record is, is great. Like you just talked about the guy who fought Dubois over in England. Great record, great record. But who had he fought? Who had he fought? He hadn't fought anybody that got him ready for Dubois. That really got him ready, even though he came close to knocking him out. That really got him ready for what was coming. And the UFC guys, they get ready. They get the fights given to them, forced to fight, mandated to fight, no layups, no slam dunks, that get them ready. And then if the champion in boxing is not ready because he fought a lot of, you know, a lot of doormen, if you will, right? <laughs> a lot of quick order cooks. And and now he's got to fight somebody that is ready to do what fighters should always be ready to do, to, to go into the deep waters, to take the undefeated fighter into the deep waters, not to be un, uh, intimidated. Not to be, you know, uh, beaten before he even gets to the ring. To know that he's fought tough fights. To know that he can handle what's in front of him. If that champion, if that undefeated fighter who's been protected hasn't had any of those fights, it can crash down real fast. Real fast. And you don't see it crash down on these UFC fighters when they get there, you don't. You you just don't see it. I mean, you take a guy like Khabib. Now, Khabib's special. I get it. He's a legend. He's iconic. One of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. There's a few of them. But he was fighting guys, monsters like Dustin Poirier and all these. I mean, one after another. He's fighting all these. So when he got there, he was ready to stay undefeated, ready to act like a guy who was on the throne and to keep that throne to keep that throne so I just had to go there it was an upset 39 years old doesn't matter Thompson upsets Holland uh, back and forth early and then it was all Thompson the difference in this fight was Thompson's ability not only to strike with his hands but his feet his legs. That was the difference. He was explosive with his hands and his feet. Holland mostly with the right. Now, Holland hurt his right hand. I don't know to what extent, but it definitely, 
definitely hindered him in a fight. There's no doubt about that. Uh, these guys don't complain. They're warriors. They're samurai. You know, you, you, you find a way. And so it takes nothing away from Thompson. Nothing away. But Holland's hand, the right hand, did, did get hurt. And I don't know if we have a report on to what damage it was. But it definitely, we saw a picture of it afterwards. It was swollen at the very least. At, at the very least, bruised badly. But Thompson, the big difference... Explodes to his hands, explodes to his feet. I've seen fighters go to the body and the head with their punches. I've never seen a guy go to the body and head with their legs <laughs> the way that this guy Thompson does. I mean, he's like the way Mickey Ward goes to your body with the left hook to the body to debilitate you. This guy does with his legs. And then goes to the head with them. Goes up and down like Mickey Water go to the head, then the body, the body, the head with the punch, with the left hook. This guy does the same thing with the left foot. It's it's crazy. He is he is so damn dangerous, so explosive, being that he has those two weapons, legs and feet, at his ready, you know, at his ready at any moment where he could strike you with a with a left hand, with a jab, or with a kick. Um, that was for me. That was the big difference. Um, there was a low blow that slowed the action for a minute, that stopped the action for a minute. I didn't see the low blow. They showed the replay a little bit. I didn't see it as really a low blow, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter because it didn't change anything. Because after they came back to fighting, uh, Thompson went back to taking uh, Holland apart. And, and I tweeted this, and I couldn't help it. That is really what they mean by this saying, kicking the crap out of somebody. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just couldn't help it because he literally kicked the, the heck out of Holland with his feet. And um, there is one interesting thing to this fight that I think is not as simple or basic or obvious as what I just pointed out. That's all obvious stuff. That's black and white. That's tangible. There was something intangible that maybe was part of it. You touched on it. But I'm going to touch on it in a different direction, different dimension, where it looked noble, and it, and it was, of Tom, of Holland not to take it to the floor. Maybe stupid. Maybe it was a big mistake. Maybe that's why he lost the fight. Maybe it was a bad calculation where he's strong on the mat, Holland, um, Thompson doesn't hide it. He's a striker. He wants to fight strikers all day and twice on Sunday. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't hide that. That's what he wants to do, and he's fan-friendly because of that. And, and you got to love him. He, but his strength is not on the floor grappling. Holland is strong there and is stronger than Thompson there. By not taking him, he took him down once, but then he got up. And again, that's what I mean by, you know, showing his, uh, if if you will, just just, you know, that he just being a gladiator, saying, "No, I'm not going to beat you that way. I'll beat you at your own game." Showing that mentality, I'm going to beat you at your own game. Come on, get up. I had you on the floor. Maybe I could have went further with it. Maybe I could have got big edge down there, but no. You like to strike. I strike good too. Get up. We're going to do this striking. We're going to do it this way. I'm going to do it your way. And again, bravo. 
Bravo. But maybe stupid, maybe cost you a fight, but here's the other thing, maybe. And and again, please understand, I'm taking you places that maybe you haven't been taken before, but they're there to be taken. It's just a matter of knowing that they're there and knowing the key to open that door to, to go there and see it. These gladiators, guys like Holland, Thompson, Holland in this case, who who's as tough as they come, tougher than most people you're ever going to meet. No doubt about it. Brave, tough, code of conduct, everything, warrior. They're human. They're under, they're under siege. Every time they get in that octagon with demons, ninjas trying to come over the wall, where they got to fight that fight too. You don't see it. They don't let you see it. But it's a fight where they have to resist not only the physicality of the man in front of them and the danger of the man in front of them, but the thoughts, the human thoughts, the natural instincts to help yourself in other ways. You're under duress. You're under tremendous fire mentally. Most people will never in their lifetime imagine the cauldron, cauldron, the furnace of temptation and and. Uh, that they're that they're facing the fire within in the mind that that is burning at all times that that is tempting them giving them outs saying do you really want to do this the the human instinct to find a way to survive to to get away was there maybe a possibility that holland and in no way did he do it in a way where he got out of the fight in a way where he, he wasn't ready to t- take punishment. But is there a possibility where with that fight going on inside the mind, that's always going on, that, that intense fight, that pressure, those ninjas coming at you, is there a chance that Holland during those moments, said, no, I won't go on the floor because I got it now in the back pocket. And it wouldn't be Holland. It would be a voice. It would be a voice that's been with us since we were cavemen. We found a way to beat the saber-toothed tiger, to exist, to, to get a spear because we couldn't beat him with our fists, to, to find a way to survive. That That goes back to the goes back to our very existence our very being you know our very genesis that you find a way to survive that it's the human instinct to survive to find sometimes another way an out could have been possible that holland said no i always have it in my back pocket that people will say he didn't really lose he lost because he made a bad decision of not going to where he could have beat the guy. Where he could have beat the guy. Where and he maybe he could have. Where if he went on the floor where he had him and he stayed on the floor, he could have won because he'd better there. But he did the brave thing. He did the thing that we all recognize and I recognize as as the uh, a man's thing, if you will as a gladiator's thing 
you know, to say, no, I'm beating you at your game. And maybe that's all it was. Maybe that's all it was, Teddy. But maybe it was also a touch of what I just touched on. That if I fight him and show already, because it wasn't just like he decided the whole fight not to go to the floor. See, here's the thing. It was almost like a he's, he set it up. Where, I'm just saying, if, if, I'm, if I have any credence to what I'm saying, he went to the floor with him, had him on the floor, and then got up, let him up, and, and showed the whole world, come on, get up. Matter of fact, the commentators, how could they not? They commented on it. Look at that. Look at it. He said, no, I'm going to beat you at your own game. He let him up. Come on. Come on, we're not going to do that. Not today. So he he kind of set the stage for it. If he was going to, if that's a possibility, he went to where I'm saying, possible. He kind of set the alibi. Where you know where were you the day that this crime got committed? Oh, I was I was home with my wife. Can I call her and and oh yeah, you can call her. She she was there and I had some neighbors over. They were all there. They saw me. We all saw that he had him on the mat, right, Ken? Yep. He, he let him up, and he waved him in. Come on, we're going to fight. Is it possible that that was his way of protecting himself? We all try to protect ourselves emotionally as well as physically. Even subconsciously. Subconsciously, that voice from the caveman days <laughs> that's in all of us that that voice spoke to him and said, yeah, now, if you do lose, you didn't really lose. You're protected. I just protected you. I just protected you, buddy. Where you can always save yourself emotionally and in all those ways that are so important by saying, and you don't even have to say it. We're saying it. The commentators already said it. He, he, he made a mistake. If he kept him on the floor, he might have won. But he was, you know, he wanted to do the gallant thing, the gallant thing, you know, the, the champion thing, the fighter's thing, the man's thing, and he fight him at his fight. So he didn't really lose. He, he could have won. He lost because he was too gallant. He lost because he made a bad choice. Is that possible? Is that possible? I'm going to tell you it's possible, okay? And... And listen, Holland is terrific. He's great. He's braver than 99.9% of the people you're ever going to meet. <laughs> but he's human. He's human. And I just know that I've been in that. I, I just know that that possibility exists that it exists. Did it happen? Don't know, boss. Don't know, boss. But I know it has happened in the past. Anyway, like the great Jack Newfield, my friend who I miss all the time, the great, great journalist, the fighter for underdogs, um, the great writer once said, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. 
<clears throat> I will second that. That's two hours and 10 minutes of nonstop fight action entertainment. There was a lot of um, fights to cover this weekend. I think we did it very thoroughly, Teddy. That was as good a breakdown as you're going to get anywhere, anywhere else in the world as far as combat sports goes. And with that, I hope everyone has a great week. And Teddy, unless you got anything else, we're going to say goodbye. And uh, we'll I got one more thing. Go one last it. thing. And it's a great way to say goodbye. Stephen A. Smith's coming. Ooh. Yep. Yep. Buckle yep, up. people. I don't know exactly when. We don't know the date yet, but he's coming. That's going to be coming a good one. Because my man, Matt Sanduli, one of the best in the TV yep. business, one of the best, one of the best with uh, NY uh, Sports Channel and used to be the man at ESPN or one of the men, but for me, he was the man. Yep. He was the man. Um, and uh, he he's talked to him. Uh, we've given him a couple dates. My, As I say to Stephen, choke with him, but... My brother from another mother, he's uh, he 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 gonna be a coming. He's gonna be a coming and <laughs> looking forward and, to that. Uh, the fans, I think, will look forward to that. That's right. I'm gonna wear a referee jersey for that one, but we'll be ready. No, no, no fight. <laughs> no, no fight. No, 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 no fight. No fight. <laughs> well, with that, Teddy, have a great week. Thank you for the uh, insight this week. And uh, we'll be back, guys, next Monday with uh, more of the same. Hope everyone has a great week.